This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners globally. This podcast is now sponsored and supported by Hunted. Hunted is the destination for recruitment careers. You can download the mobile app or visit hunted.com to step inside the offices of hundreds of the world's best recruitment brands and see what it's actually like to work there. If you did not know, recruitment skills are in high demand and there's never been such a diverse range of opportunities out there for recruiters. On Hunted, you can filter jobs and brands by location, sector and size, as well as nearly 60 different badges that are awarded to businesses based on their features and benefits. You can discover brands who will relocate you overseas, brands that offer flexible working or brands that are a fast growth and with an in-house L&D function. Filter by companies in WeWorks, companies with office dogs, or companies that have invested in a mental well-being initiative. You can build an anonymous profile in minutes and spec yourself into brands to learn more. Or you can let businesses approach you with opportunities that match your preferences. And if you want to have a bit more of a human touch, then Hunted's expert talent team are on hand to support you securing your next role. You can follow Hunted on LinkedIn to ensure you never miss out on the industry's best content and objective advice, connecting you with the opportunity and helping you make the most of your recruitment career. This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I am joined by Carl Penhow, who is a principal consultant for Austin Fraser, and we are in um, the very big WeWork in Paddington. Very impressed. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty yeah. big one. I mean, I, I did a um, tweet recently where I said um, I'm getting less and less unexcited to go to WeWork because it's like same furniture, same vibe. Yeah. Just starting to not enjoy it as much. I've lost the buzz a bit, but I don't know. I've actually got a bit of the buzz back for this one because it's huge. Yeah, they're, um, to be fair, WeWork are a pretty good, I guess, partner of ours. We've got offices all over the world now. Really? We use uh, WeWorks pretty much in every sort of country and state in America, I think, if I'm right in saying. And really? yeah, this one, this one's pretty cool. It yeah, services cool. us quite, uh, quite well at the moment. That must be a very big bill. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine it is. I Jesus. can imagine. Um, wicked, mate. Well, look, as, as you know, we're always like to start, Carl. How did you enter the world of recruitment, mate? It's a, a really good question. So I guess to give a little bit of a background, sort of finished off college, had no idea what I wanted to do, um, was a, a, a pretty avid cricketer. So moved to South Africa. So. How did you get into cricket? Because I think cricket's terrible. <laughs> so once again, really funny, actually, I used to be football mad and I was walking to football training once, uh, walked across a cricket pitch and yeah. probably like one of those films you'd see where a ball rolls at no. your feet and then literally threw it back and was hooked. And that was really? probably probably 10 or 11 years old nice. and then just yeah fell into it so played cricket was fortunate enough to sort of do that to a pretty high level um lived all around the world south africa lived in india for a while really? dubai i spent time in yeah oh, wow, that's really cool um and then 
um, money in cricket is, is not the best. So don't, I was don't actually tend to go hand in hand. Yeah, is it obviously that's the thing. I guess it's the same as football as well, isn't it? It's like there's this fancy of like you want to be a professional, make it a pro, but it's it's that top, 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 top five percent, ten percent that actually get to the point where it's like I'm set. Yeah, you know definitely, I mean? definitely. I mean, I was fortunate enough to play at sort of quite a high standard, but I mean, unless you're, you know, on the TV every day and playing for England, yeah. that's sort of where, you know, the, the, the big money is. But in, compar- in comparison to football, you know, even the top footballers, uh, sorry, top cricketers will earn maybe 1% of what a pro footballer really? will earn. It's, yeah, it's really, you know, nowhere near mm. as high. So was playing cricket, really enjoying it. And then I'm trying to think now, probably around like 21, 22, one of my very close friends, guy Ashley Blanchard, um, was working for Austin Fraser, yeah. had done a similar sort of journey to me through cricket, um, joined Austin Fraser and sort of went from trainee to senior to principal within about 18 months oh, and wow. we were walking around the uh, the, the boundary uh, one day and he you the know boundary. the boundary Probably as you do <laughs> <laughs> eating some cucumber sandwiches <laughs> so, but, um, but now walking around and we just sort of got onto the discussion of you know what I was up to cricket was probably you know coming to an end I was you know, trying to earn as much money as possible. So I was actually working as a scaffolder on the side as well. No respect. Um, so, respect. Um, and then he said, well, look, we I work for this company, Austin Fraser. We're about, you know, 40, 40 people now. We're growing. Why don't you come in for a chat? And it kind of combined everything that I thought I wanted to do. Really? It was, I was always like, what, what do you like doing? I love speaking to people. I mm. love, you know, I always sort of had that, you know, ambition of, you know, the hustle and bustle of like London or an office yeah, yeah, job yeah. or something. So yeah, went in and had a chat and I guess the rest was history really. I joined yeah. Austin Fraser September. Well, it'd be five years in September. Wow. Um, so, you've, so just to make it crystal clear, you've had, you got into recruitment and you've stayed at Austin Fraser for yeah. the last five, nearly five years. Yeah. And that's been the only recruitment business you work for. The only sales experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a, a barman for a little while, so really? I sold pints. But apart <laughs> from that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only recruitment or sales experience cool. I've ever had. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm, I'm excited to um, unpack that journey. I think that that's generally really impressive and amazing that you've been part of the business journey and been with one business for so long. Because you know how it is. Like so many people end up with recruitment for a year, two years, sometimes less, and then they move in and they move again. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So. I guess firstly, like what, how, what was your perception of recruitment then, as you're walking around the boundary? Like, <laughs> um, like, what was your perception? I guess if I'm completely honest, if I think back five years ago, LinkedIn wasn't as you know prominent then. Mm. My activity on LinkedIn wasn't. So I guess my perception of recruitment was what I knew from, from my, my, my friend Ashley. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, I guess a sales orientated job. And yeah. I guess if you think about it in the nicest possible way, it was like glorified, you know, people traffickers. You buy, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know, people want, you know, whether they be developers or whatever industry. And that's what you do. That was yeah, really yeah, my yeah. perception. I guess I didn't really ever think, you know, the intricacies of yeah, it yeah. and how it actually how works. How they sell it to you? I think the way in which Austin Fraser sold it, I think the, I actually, you know, bought into Austin Fraser straight away really? because I went in there and I sat down with a group of six of us. And if I'm thinking around the same six there, five of them are still with the business oh, now, yeah, which mad. speaks testament. Yeah, of course it does. And they were all people that were sort of similar backgrounds, you know, come from a sporting background, mm. 
we all had similar, you know, interests. So you didn't I all like cricket, did you? Yeah, a lot of us oh, do play wow. cricket. A lot of golfers. Um, you know, you have the notorious win recruitment, either estate agent background yeah, or people yeah, yeah. that used to maybe sell gym memberships yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. But I guess they just sold it to me in terms of you know. You don't need to necessarily have any experience. We've got the tools and the resources to give you everything you need. Yeah, I like that. And I guess my driver to get into recruitment, uh, as it was playing cricket and scaffolding, was to earn money. Uh, you know, and they said we've got the tools to make you earn over a hundred grand a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and you know they have. So <laughs> we can make well. So being there for five years, let's just, let's just frame it up a bit more for everyone listening. So, um, what what have you what markets do you uh, recruit in? Cool. So I guess that's a little bit of a journey. So yeah. very, when I first started Austin Fraser, we were obviously a lot smaller. But our model for for people that don't know is we're. IT specific recruitment okay. and we have vertical market consultants. So okay. ultimately um, we have different teams. So in our business right now, we have a Thames Valley team. Our mm -hmm. head office is in Reading. So mm -hmm. we have a team that services Oxford, Reading, um, the sort of Bristol Southwest area. And we have the team that I sit on that service London. Um, within my London team, we've got a sort of a subsection, one that does just contract recruitment okay. and one that just does perm. Yeah. And then once again, within that, you have vertical market consultants. So for example, I've got a colleague that just does Python yeah. contract in London. Oh, I've got okay. another colleague that does Python permanent. So is that London. tech? Is that tech fall under yeah. The tech? So Python is um, for those that don't know as well. It's like a programming language. Yeah, so yeah. basically, whatever skill set or technology or coding language that's used, we normally have someone that just recruits for that area. Yeah, 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 um, I guess that's how we sort of so grow. Super specialist. Yeah, we've grown our specialism not just within like a technology stack, as it were, yeah, but yeah. then within either contract or perm. perm as well. Okay, and you've always been in contract. Business. Always contract. Yeah. Um, okay. I think probably like most recruiters and maybe contract, I've done a couple of perm deals that have yeah. sort of, you know, happened along the way, but very much my, I'd say my bread and butter it's is contract, contract yeah. recruitment. And yeah. then, so, and then within the niches that Austin Fraser operate mm -hmm. in then, did you, so did you start in a different niche to what you do now? Do you yeah. Know, tell so, me a bit about that and then we'll talk about sort of how things went. Yeah. So I very when I very first started, I did Java, which are uh, a backend programming language. So I did Java contract London. Um, okay. I did that. You'll probably go on to it in a minute. I did uh, I did very well to start off with. So a deal in uh, a week and a half of starting. Really? Um, having no sales experience and, you know, thought, I've smashed it. I've, I've, you know, I've completed <laughs> recruitment. We'll go on to it in a completed bit. But then, uh, but then blanked and didn't do a deal for seven months. Um, <laughs> but no, started off doing Java contracts. Okay. Uh, probably after about eight or nine months, moved over to the Python market, okay. um, which is, uh, once again, another back-end programming yeah, yeah. language. Python, contract, London. Um, I did that for probably around two and a half years i'm okay. trying to think now yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i then actually moved over to denver yeah. um in america austin fraser have now got five soon to be six offices in america yeah so i was fortunate enough to move over to denver live there for a year and help set up the office there Doing. once again uh still focused on the contract model mm. um that the american sort of business has um, I moved back to the UK in May and I'm now leading the JavaScript technology side of our mm. business, but once again, through contracts. Contract. Okay, cool. No, thanks for that. That's perfect. So let's, um, what, what I always like to talk about, obviously you gave us a bit of a flavor there, but I always like to uncover those first 12 months because, yeah. um, bloody hard work in it, those first 12 months. I've yeah. Got, I've had my own experience with that. So, so went into the, the, the contract piece, right? Um, and obviously, as you said, made a deal in the, fir in the first week and a half. Yep. 
Cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, was it like a proper easy placement as well? Oh, completely. I mean, if anyone ever tells you that anything in their first, I would say probably six months of recruitment yeah. they've done on purpose, I think they're talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. A lot of it is, you know, right place, right time, luck, who yeah, you're working yeah. with. So it was a, you know, a counterpart of mine. So someone that did Java, Perm, London, called a client, they needed a contractor. I was walked through taking a job spec, you know, thrown in at the deep end. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, yeah. sometimes now it's like, cool, well, you know, your manager would take it, but thrown at the deep end. So I guess, you know, I had some touching points with it, then went out and recruited the role, mm. found a candidate um, that uh, I think the candidate was actually referred to me by someone else. Oh, why don't you try this guy? <laughs> um, and, and yeah, went from there. So it was very much right place, right time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think, I think it was a week and four days um, from, you know, starting Never to... Never forget that first deal, yeah. To ring in the bell, yep. I, um, you know, I don't know many companies will probably do deal tunes or something like that. <laughs> um, I remember spending the whole of Friday not doing a single bit of work and trying to think about what my deal tune could be. <laughs> and to this day, I still can't remember what it was. Um, okay. so, so yeah, it was a bit of an interesting one, but valuable, uh, a bit of experience yeah, and positive. Yeah. And I guess, you know, so what then, to follow. So then seven months after that, back to back, you didn't make one placement. Roughly, yeah. I did try and have a little look before before I uh, before I came this evening. But yeah, yeah, roughly it was it was a definitely a good, you know, five, six, seven months with really? nothing. Yeah. How'd you do with that? Um, probably a few tantrums. Um, <laughs> I think if you were to speak to some of my colleagues, you know, once again, lucky enough they're still working for the business now. Um, there were definitely some tough times. Yeah, yeah. But I think um, what really helped me was a colleague of mine, Dan Filmer, who is still with the business now. We started a month apart. Um, he's getting married next month and we're off to that in Dublin. We, we've had a sort of really great relationship and I would advise people if they're, if they're going down that journey of latching on to the people and the colleagues that you work with because mm. those are the sort of people that will get you through it. So Dan, Dan was on a bit of a different trajectory. He sort of joined the business and, you know, was very successful like I was at the beginning, but just sort of carried on. Oh. Um, and me and Dan have had a similar journey where when he was doing well, I wasn't. And likewise, he would drop off potentially a little bit and I would do well. Really? So what we've, you know, I, I dealt with that six or seven month period by, you know, speaking to the people that were doing well, picking their brains on sort of what stuff they were doing. Um, I mean, I've got to give a shout out. Austin Fraser were brilliant. I think there's lots of sales companies that, you know, two or three months without a deal, you know, you're, yeah, uh, you're, you're out the, the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, skill and will. Do you mm. have the skill to something? Do you oh, have like the will that. to do it? I think when you start as a trainee, you know, unless you're, you know. You've got to have the will. Yeah, you don't have the skill. You know, I think yeah. anyone that comes in, like I said, and does something in their first six months, a lot of it's luck. Yeah, yeah. But what I did have is I had the will to learn. I had a good team around me. We've got a brilliant L&D function, Austin mm. Fraser, that helped me. And, you know, slowly but surely, you, you learn. How did you do for the rest couple of months then, leading up to the sort of year mark? Yeah, so at, at the end of that, I uh, hit my first holiday incentive. Okay. Um, so I guess it was a, a bit of, you know, learning over those six months. I also then moved my market to python okay. which was a little bit more of an established market uh, you know it was a bit warmer there was a there was a few existing clients and stuff we had but i think that journey over the six months to really you know identify what my drivers were mm. find out how much i really wanted it you know then took probably over the next three or four months um for you know for, for contract recruiters i think it finished that first year maybe running around sort of 1500 to two grand mm. a week GP, GP yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but hit my first holiday incentive, 
which I think for me was was huge. It yeah, was really, yeah. really big. Yeah, big confidence based on these things, yeah? Yeah. So j- just quickly before um, we move on, mate. So I love the fact that... So firstly, what did you, what did you get out of... So how, how did you approach picking other people's brains and stuff like that? Obviously, it's great that Austin Fraser supported you in these things, but mm. like, what was your intention when you were trying to learn from these other people? Do you get what I mean? Because I think a lot of people, when they're in that environment... It, especially in sales like yeah. it's, it's hard to be like yeah. cold like I'm actually really struggling yeah. do you know what I mean so like how did you approach that because that, that is difficult yeah and I think um, you know once again you know just advice for anyone else out there is I can only speak from experience with Austin Fraser but I know for a fact that you know everyone you know within my team or other teams in the business want to do exactly the same thing we're all there for each other so I don't think you know at any point I was ever made to feel silly or stupid yeah, yeah. or you know I you know I'm a very proud person you know coming from a sporting background yeah, and stuff yeah. but I think you know the biggest change in me through recruitment was being able to I guess suck that up a little bit and being mm. like you know what actually it's fine to say you know, I don't know what's going on or yeah. it's fine to say I'm struggling. Um, you know, if, if you're having really shit days and mm. stuff, take five or 10 minutes out, go and chill mm. out a little bit, you know, refer back to your drivers. Why did you get into the job initially? Um, and I guess, you know, a, a big thing was once again, you know, speaking to people and understanding, cool, look, we've been through that. We've done it. Mm. There's no shame at all in saying, you know, I've blanked this month or I've done this. As long yeah. as your, your will is there, there yeah. then, you know, I don't think, well, once again, I can only f- speak from Austin Fraser, but yeah. you know, if the will there there's people in our business that have done similar things to me where they've yeah, blanked yeah. for six months and they were maybe you know more senior than I was at the time mm. but we've h- held on to them if your attitudes there the behaviors are there and your will to do better mm. you know then our company is so, so I think it's around. just I think it's just that like don't underestimate that people around you will be willing to help yeah do, do you know what I mean and I guess for, for you then like was there anything else that um you did like through those tough times you just you mentioned a few times your driver yeah so you said like those few months also helped you sort of tap into like your drivers and these things like how like talk to me a bit about that because i think that's really interesting because not not everyone naturally would do that right yeah so what you're saying there is think about why you're doing what you're doing and these things like how how did you what was the process around that because i think that's interesting yeah, I think, um, I can't remember who it was that said to me once was, I, I think I talked about it a little bit earlier, but ultimately the reason, you know, I joined Austin Fraser was to earn good money and give myself and, you know, family members and partners, whatever is better opportunities, mm. you know, and I was always told, you know, I went to university and I did A-levels and stuff, but by all means, was I not a brain of Britain? But, you know, I came out and I spoke to a lot of people like Ashley, my friend in recruitment and said, look, we've got the tools to, you know, you mm. can earn over a hundred grand a year here. Mm. Um, and for me, always remembering not necessarily that you're going to earn loads of money but the reason why you want to earn that money you know for me Mm. I've got very very close family you know my aspirations to be able to support you know whether it be my sisters or my parents or whatever it may be um you know in the situation at the moment where me and my partner are trying to buy a house five years ago I'd never dreamed about being able to do that you know fortunate enough to not be able to go on nice holidays now and you know you know have nice cars and stuff like that Mm. for me that was really important and I guess you don't really realize that until you're down in the dumps sometimes because someone said to me once, if you, in any sales job, if you look at your basic salary, you could go and do a very easy job Simple and earn job, yeah. exactly the same, if not probably more money. Mm. You know, when I first started Austin Fraser, the basic salary was 18 grand. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, we've now improved our structure and changed it a bit. But actually, if you look at 18 grand when I started, I could do a lot, <laughs> I don't want to say easier, but different Lovely, jobs. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And earn more than that. Yeah. So actually, cool. 
you're not maybe where you want to be now, but also the work that you do now, and someone told me this, and it's so true, the work you do now is basically affecting six months time. Mm. So if you do fuck all now, mm. you know, it's not going to affect six months. You're going to be in the same position. Mm. So I always thought, cool, well, the work I'm doing, you're almost driving for something better. Yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And actually, if I sit around and mope for the next three months, mm. well, this three months is going to be shit. And then the next three yeah, months is going to yeah. be shit as well. So it was kind of, you know, learning what those drivers were, but also listening to other people's advice and being like, do you know what? Actually, I've got the tools and the capability here to, you know, earn really good money and enjoy it. Mm. So, you know, I'm really going to try, you know, really yeah, going to no, try Honestly, it. man, I think that's, um, that's really interesting, the fact that you really tapped into, like, actually why, why you're doing it and the people that you could benefit. Because obviously you mentioned a few times that obviously you're driven by money and I'm sure when you've interviewed for people for your team and stuff like that, that's what you want them to say. But obviously it's, okay, why do you want that money? Yeah. That, that's what's really going to help them through it, isn't it? Yeah. And um, especially when you're getting rejected 50 times a day. Yeah. I think you're failing in these things. So, um, mate, I like that. Good, mate. <laughs> nice. That's good, Carl. I like it. <laughs> um, so that brings us up to... so. So basically, there was, they end up being light at the end of the tunnel for yep. your first year. Um, so then, obviously, you moved to a different, uh, slightly different uh, vertical. Yeah. Then you was in for like two and a bit years, <coughs> right? Yeah. So, talk, so just give me a bit of context. So then, did you sort of climb the ranks as your like friend did? So like, what did you over as you did you continue obviously to do well? Then did it go in the one direction? Yeah, yeah. I guess um, yeah, yeah. I was uh, really lucky actually. So once I moved over to that Python market, yeah. I'm trying to think exactly when it was, but probably about nine, ten months in, moved mm -hmm. over to this Python market yeah um coincidentally we as a business are very very hot on meetups and events and we actually started probably 10 years ago just just after we as a business opened set up a meetup for python in london which i then took ownership of so i threw myself in when taking on this market to you know running events and meetups and why'd you do that brand um i know that's sort of what we're talking about here but you know that's why me and you get along so well i think is because i've found that as a recruiter you your product is the candidate that you that yeah. you represent and you know although i think sometimes people like to think that the candidate they represent is the best thing in the world, which it may be 99% of the time that that's not an exclusive candidate. So another recruiter can find that person and sell it into one of your clients. Yeah. So I quite quickly realized I had to do something to differentiate myself from just a candidate or a CV. Mm. Um, I do something in Austin Fraser, uh, we do masterclasses where sort of principals or seniors give, you know, some insight into their business. And I do one called service led sales, which talks about, you know, having a CV isn't enough these days. There's so many recruiters mm. around. Having a CV isn't enough. It's the service in which you provide around that for, for client and candidate that ultimately makes you, I guess, indispensable. You know, mm. I, 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 I like to, I really like to believe that the clients that I work with, uh, you know, and hopefully some are listening now and are nodding along, <laughs> but the, the service that I provide to them as well as the candidates, it is really, you know, like a partnership as opposed to yeah, really like a that. recruitment company. Um, and that's that stemmed a lot from the meetups that I attended and ran myself. You know, we got to a point where um, Juggle, the Django User Group of London, was, was probably the most successful Django-focused meetup, I think definitely in London, if not in the whole of the UK. And, and it still is now. Mm. Um, so that really, you know, I guess propelled so me. The reason why I said why, I absolutely love the way that you approached that. And again, just quickly, like, did that just come natural to you? Like that whole sort of, okay, so this is, like, I understand a bit more about recruitment now and it's very saturated, it's difficult. 
Because do, do you know what I mean? Like that is, I, I wouldn't say that's the normal perception of a recruiter. Do you get what I mean? So where, yeah. where did that come from? Um, I think a combination of probably my journey through sport and things, having okay. to stand out and differentiate yourself. Yeah, okay. um, you know, p- playing sport, I went to, you know, just, uh, you know, the, the, the normal school down the road and a lot of people I was playing cricket against were private school kids and stuff. Yeah. So for me, I had to sort of try and make Always myself and do, stand yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think a bit of that, but also I guess the the historic stuff that we'd done at Austin Fraser, you know, my, my first ever boss, um, John set up this juggle meetup. Okay. Um, and it was, it's always been in, I guess, ingrained in us at Austin Fraser that, you know, meetups and differentiating yourself, whether that be through, you know, podcasts like today yeah. or content or, or whatever it may it's be, key. it is key. Mm. Um, you know, I refer back to it, but there's so many recruiters out there that, could ultimately go on a job board and find your goal candidate and sell it into a client at potentially a lower rate or for yeah, a, yeah, something yeah. different. So you so actually got to okay. make yourself stand out. And even if they do present that same CV, yeah. your client says, no, I'm not going to use anyone else yeah. because of X, Y, and Z. Okay. Carl, I get it. <laughs> How is it going to make me more money? So I think the way it made me earn more money yeah. was I once again like to feel that especially on that python market i became the go-to recruiter okay um you know there, there's definitely a lots of people that you know there's probably other python recruiters out there listening that, that would disagree but i think i had such a good network of candidates and also clients that you know i think it probably got to a point at the end of it where my bd almost became minimal Nice. Um, just purely because... And was that because you were getting more inbound business? Yeah, yeah. Lots of it was referrals. It was meetup driven. It was repeat business. It was, yeah, you know, word of mouth. It was mm. all that sort of stuff that I... And th- what was the period of time, do you think, that took? Um, obviously, yeah. you picked up something that's been around, but and then what was the period of time, do you think, that you really, you really start, you probably looked at your colleagues like... This is like really taken off now. It's really yeah. Like so when, I th- did, when did you really start to see the benefits? So I think say if we say if we go from like day one of starting the Python market, I think for me to really get to that point was probably a year, maybe between a year and eighteen months. And you're doing the, the how often were the events? Every three months, monthly. Quar- but what, so quarterly. Quarterly. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah every three months. But what I was doing is providing content. So I was doing content that led up to the events. Yeah. And then I was doing a newsletter which had all the speakers involved in photos of me in there that I'd attached to every single email I'd send. Mm. So I was, although they were every three months and quarterly, I constantly had touching points every single week and snippets of the event that I'd share. So it was, they were every three months, mm. but they were almost instant. They were almost yeah, constant. Yeah, because yeah, it was always it just about, drip yeah, feeding. Yeah. And as soon as a month and a half went by the last one, I'd then start speaking about the next one. Yeah. And we bought in a really great marketing function and design team and everything in-house yeah, at Austin Fraser that, well, yeah. that were brilliant at doing that. You know, okay. I couldn't have done it without those guys, you know, helping provide content and how to market it and stuff. Yeah. So, okay. Before we move on, I'm just, I'm just really interested in that yep. because... I think there'll be a lot of people listening and I talk about personal branding and these things quite a lot and obviously that ties into that and yeah. I, I'm, I'm just trying to think people listening okay Carl I get it how is it going to make more money you answer that and I think that that's great but j- just quickly then before we move on some like real real practical advice mm-hmm. yeah if I'm thinking if I'm listening right now and I'm going right actually yeah starting a meetup or event for my niche would actually be a really good idea mm-hmm. what's some like really practical advice to go from great idea to like start do you not start on it what, what, give me some practical advice and, and then some learnings that you, that you would do differently now if you were to go back 
Yeah, I think re- some really practical advice for people out there thinking the same is you need to research what is out there at the moment. Okay. When, if I think back to when I first started and Austin Fraser did, we were probably one of the first recruitment companies to do meetups. So that helped. So that definitely helped. We sort of, you know, created our own little niche. However, there is so many companies, there are so many clients, there are so many sole yeah. contributors so at the I'll moment say, crying quick, out. Quickly, sorry to butt in, that, that definitely helps. But at the same time, like, don't think, oh no, I'm too late to the party. Yeah, do you know well, what I mean? that's definitely what I was going to say. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say, there are so many people now, whether they be clients or sole contractors or meetups already that need support. Yeah. You know, there's lots of meetups that I know of that really struggle through for funding, for example. And funding, when I say funding, it might be 50 quid every month on pizzas. Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of these meetups are in a pub somewhere yeah. or they're in an office space after work. And actually, if you're out there thinking, you know, I want to forge my way in something, reach out to the organizers and offer your assistance. See if you can help. Yeah, I think that, that would be the way, if I was to do it now, mm. that would be the way I would do it. Um, I mean, I've just launched a brand new meetup called Leaders in Tech, which mm. is something that Austin Fraser has sort of um, forged over the last three years. But that was an area that we researched heavily. There was nothing like it around around yeah. specifically at CTOs, VPs, head offs to yeah. give them value. So there are meetups you can set up on your own, but just make sure you're researching and see if there's something you can support. And see if yeah. there's something you could support to start off with. Okay. And then also then, so um, two things. Mm-hmm. How how do you approach it so then it's not like oh Carl's just doing this so then he earns money or how does Carl yep. do like Carl's a recruit, I'm gonna get sold to all, all yep. the time I'm there. So how how do you how do you um, navigate through that? Yeah, I've always been really open and honest with anyone and said, you know, if there was no real benefit for me, then I wouldn't be doing it. Yep. So I don't think there's any shame in hiding away from the fact that if you're a recruiter and you're involved in a meetup, maybe not initially, but you are there to gain some value within okay. your business. So don't, first of all, I don't think it should be like, oh no, this isn't what it's yeah, meant so be for. Because everyone knows yeah. and that's fine. But also think about what value you can give to A, the people coming, B, the people hosting it, and see your market and your network, you know, think on those three points, points. Cool. So look, I'm going to gain something as a recruiter because I'm going to meet clients. I'm going to meet candidates, but what am I going to give back? You know, am I going to invest in some really cool speakers to come that my, um, the people that attend the meetup are going to walk away from. Mm -hmm. I think if everyone's really transparent and says, cool, well, look, the people attending are getting value. The client's office that we're hosting at are getting access to loads of developers that they wouldn't have normally. And me as a recruiter is then, I've never come up to a situation where people are unhappy with that. I think yeah. as long as you're really transparent and be and like, honest, yeah. Look, this is why I'm doing it, but I also want to help as well yeah. and give value back. You know, that, that would be how I would yeah. go about it or yeah. how I have gone about it. Really good advice. I think just to run that off as well, my opinion is like recruiters are in such a, such a unique position to put great people together. Mm. And I think that is such a value add. Like X group of developers may not have never had access to X person that they would love to hear their opinion and perspective. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So, and then the last thing before we move on, um, what's like, so a fun thing, Cole, amazing advice, da da da. What's like, what's been your, what's your like go to structure of an event? Do you get what I mean? Like, what's wor- worked really well and we've got some really good feedback? Again, just super practical. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's fun. A really cool venue, normally with a really cool company that's up and coming. Okay. Um, one of the big so things. You do it like in a company's, yeah. do it in like a company's office. Yeah. So sometimes it may be clients that we work with. Yeah. Um, 
it, it may well be clients that we're trying to work with yeah. and say, look, actually, look, what we do is provide you with candidates, but also yeah. we run events and we can give you access to this. Yeah. You know, personally, once again, don't be afraid of doing that. It's mm. another value add. Look, you get access to our candidates, but also you get access to these really cool events that we host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So try and find a cool venue, whether that be a company or a space. Try and hook it on a really cool topic. Mm -hmm. There's lots of events out there at the moment that are focused on, you know, just thinking of maybe a front-end one. Oh, React. You know, mm -hmm. React is the most popular framework probably at the moment, but actually find something that's really interesting. There's so many, um, you know, interesting, you know, whether it be markets like InsureTech, there's mm -hmm. loads of insurance tech companies at the moment, for example. Yeah. Try and latch it onto that. So find a cool venue, find a cool topic. Um, Branding and marketing is huge on it. You can't just expect to throw an event together, chuck it on LinkedIn, expect, expect people, people to, together, to come. Yeah. You need to get influencers involved in it. And they mm. could be, you know, some of the key developers within that network. So when I used to do it, I had a group of 10, 20, you know, some may be listening and I appreciate all your help <laughs> for the stuff you did, but they would always repost and reshare and yeah, invite nice. people on their own. Yeah. That's how you build a, a proper brand. So yeah. if I was to say three bits of advice, yeah. you know, of how you're going to do it, that, you know, that, that's what I'd say. Thank you, mate. No, I, I really like that. And again, just, just to finish that off, I think then surely, because this is how I, use, how I use the podcast when I was at Hook, so it's then all of a sudden, if you want to BD X amount of companies, you're not talking about jobs, you're talking about an event that you're hosting, yeah. right? That's yeah, how yeah. you can use it in your daily practical. Yeah, uh, yeah there's, there's loads of advantages to that. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing that, mate. So yeah. I guess, cool. So let's let's go into um, some a bit more to, to your journey then. Yeah. So... So then you ended up working in that um, market for sort of two and a half years. Yeah. So then did you did you end up managing people or did you like how long did, how long was you just a sort of sole biller for? Yeah. Just give me a bit of context. So I so I guess I started off and as you started off so day one started off with the Python market probably around four months um, went from a trainee to a consultant. Yeah. Still sole contributor, consultant to senior. That probably took me about a year maybe yep. a little bit longer okay. um and you know at, at austin fraser maybe similar to other companies it's not just billing focus it's about executive maturity so okay. it's like what you're doing behavioral rise yeah, externally yeah. internally so yeah probably four or five months from trainee um up to senior maybe a year maybe a little bit longer um and then i chose the path at that point to go down towards a principal consultant which is still a sole contributor um, as opposed to lead I think once again at my at that time I was oh god how modern now I was probably like 23 24 I was very still money motivated mm. I got a lot of satisfaction out of me ringing the bell and doing deals and um, although I like helping people I was very very focused on what I wanted what to do wanted, yeah. um so I went That's down good self awareness mate yeah I went down the principal route um I hit principal pretty much well the quickest that you could do it after so I hit senior three months after and they have to wait three months i hit principal mm. um and i guess as we speak i'm still theoretically a principal um i did then probably maybe seven eight months roughly as principal moved to america i've now returned as a principal but i'm starting Start, to transition so, okay. now over to wicked. uh like a lead slash team lead wicked mate cool so let, let's um definitely going to talk about your experience in America and stuff yep. but let's let's quickly then what's clear then for you to achieve that obviously it's more than just billings and performance it's everything else you just spoke about mm -hmm. which is great <clears throat> but clearly your performance must obviously only go on in a positive way right yeah and I think obviously I, I come from a perm recruitment background but let, let's sort of break 
down some advice and learnings that you've had from taking, as you said, your weekly GP to ever what that was to whatever it was at its highest point. Like let, let's talk a bit about that journey because I think a lot yeah. of people can get a lot of value out of that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So no, I guess, talk, so I guess for, let's just, just set the tone. So like what, what was sort of the, the peak of like where you're at and these things, and then we can break it's a reverse engineer as to like some of the key what things. What was the peak there. when I, my, of so, my weekly yeah. GP? Yeah. Cool. So I think at its highest, it was roughly just under 15 grand a week. Yeah. And what does that, tra- so help me out. So does that translate I guess to if X you do, amount of people roughly? Yeah. Well, I think it depends on obviously as, as contract consultants will know, depending on what your weekly GP is, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it will translate. So yeah, I had... I can't think now, however many people running and, you know, it built the, it built the business or mm. brung in the business just under 15 grand a week. Cool. So let's break that down. Yeah. So like how, like what were the key things that helped you get there firstly, like if to think about, so if I'm, if I'm on contract recruit listening yep. right now and I'm 18 months, two years in and I'm at that, um, the, the still at the sort of, I don't know what, what's like, Give me some context. Like, what's like someone's like doing pretty decent? Like, if you're like two, three, four, five kgp, is that is that pretty decent? I think I, I it's re- no it's really difficult to answer that just purely because different markets will have different weekly GPs. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I think development has fairly good weekly GPs. You yeah. know, you're, you're looking at sort of fairly high day rates for contractors. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You may have networking support or people like that that notoriously maybe have a little bit lower. Um, okay. However. Yeah, you know, I think in terms of where I was in the business, when I was at my peak, I, you know, I was top biller in the company. Yeah, um, yeah. I had the highest weekly GP, but there's definitely some things across the way that got me there outside of, you know, just doing deals. Yeah, um, cool. It was it, it was all the stuff that, that, that I spoke about there in terms of building that brand, building that, I guess, building that reputation. Mm. Um, you know, so I always got taught that, whatever your weekly GP is, for example, you would always have in the contract market, notoriously around 10% finish every month because sometimes you might have three month contract, yeah. six months. So when I was running 15 grand or, or, or in and around that a week, I was having 1,500 finish every month. Mm. So I was having to do three, four, five deals a month yeah. just to stay still. Yeah. So at that point, there's only so much new business that you can generate in yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah. So when I really started to, I guess, kick on, it was making sure that the existing business that I had was either really solid. So contractors were either, you know, in very long contracts, you know, and advising, you know, because 90% of contract recruiters will agree with me here. You'll write someone a three month contract and almost always they'll get extended. So for me, it was about educating the clients initially and saying, well, cool, look, why don't actually, because you've got this notice period, let's get a six month contract initially. And if you start thinking about it that way, your business, the longevity Ah. of it then grows that way. Um, rather than, you know, two months in, a contractor's head gets turned by higher day rate and you lose and then you've got to refill yeah, yeah. and you kind of just then plateau up and down maybe. So when did you start? So, so okay, that's interesting. So just just quickly to yeah. make, make sure I understand that. You started then consulting on, well, actually, normally the, the, the people that I'd help you find or whatever, the contractors that come in, they, yeah, typically you may want them for three months, but have you thought about having them for six months, whatever, right? So then that helped you, as you said, the, the peaks and troughs reduced yeah. and then also it helped I guess from an advan- advantage for a contractor is that enables to give a bit more stability which yeah. is also in their interest isn't it so yeah. did you start then okay saying to clients well actually have you thought about this and so that started to change yeah I, I think that the, the the most important thing for me and the most the, the biggest thing that I identify where my business really took off was when I stopped 
stopped being a recruiter and I started becoming a consultant. Yeah, smart. Um, you know, as we speak about when we're messaging and stuff, I'm in London now. So our head office is in Reading. We've yeah. got satellite offices in London. However, I'm in London three, four days a week, solely on site with clients. Mm. That may be clients I'm working with, new clients, meeting candidates, every single candidate that I've ever worked with. There's one that I haven't, who's based in this building that I haven't met yet. Um, for lunch, but every single candidate that's ever worked for me, I've met for lunch. Okay. Every single candidate I work Why with. Why do you do that? People buy from people. Mm. If that candidate's on site, he's not only a representation of me, but Austin Fraser. Mm-hmm. You know, I want him to have a bit of hit uh, or her ha- have a bit of ownership in like, cool. I, I want to do a really good job because you know what? I really love Carl. He's such a great guy, mm. and I'm representing him. That's exactly the same as when I speak to candidates. I'm an extension of a client. So if I give a candidate a really shitty service, mm. but I'm representing, you know, Azu's branding, mm. you know, it makes your company look shit. Yeah. So I, as soon as I started understanding that actually people buy from people, so it's really important for me to get in front of clients and candidates and also look after your contractors because ultimately your contractors are your presence and, you know, there's no beating around the bush. They're, they're the people that earn you money. Yeah, of course. Um, of course, you're earning their money. <coughs> yeah, likewise, yeah, likewise. So, you know, for me, it was really important to make sure that, the, you know, it's so difficult, you know, anyone in recruitment will know it's difficult to do deals. Yeah. So actually when you've done one, God, you want to hold on to that one? Granted, yeah. yeah, you know, anyone. I've had people that have contracted me for years and I still, once a month, go and meet them. Every single Monday, I'll text them. Mm. Some of those, you've got to think about it, some of those contractors now clients of mine. Mm. You know, a contractor I placed in one of his first ever roles, he's now a client of mine. Mm. You know, and actually that, as soon as that mentality for me changed of quick wins, quick wins, what's so that, happening That's how now, you viewed it a bit before, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think most people would, especially doing a deal in like two weeks like I did, yeah. quick wins. You know, and also cool, the work I do now is going to benefit me in six months. As that I said, I've start, I was working with candidates probably five years ago and I've maybe just placed them this year or I've just started way, uh, working with them. Mm. That's an extreme way to go, but, but it's happened. I can think of a few examples where it's taken three, four, five years for me ever to place someone or, or may, maybe work yeah. with them as a manager. So as soon as you get that long-term vision, I think that will help you as well. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess, so obviously you, you mentioned there about being a consultant, obviously clearly relationships, doubling down, doubling down on actually having, having the right mindset, the long-term mindset, these things. Was there anything else in specific to the contract world that you started to change or some really specific habits that then you really started doing daily, weekly that really started to obviously pay dividends over three months, six months, 12 months. Yeah, I um, I got into the habit and I still do this now and anyone that works, you know, within our team or anyone that, you know, hopefully I have the pleasure of hiring in the future, I'll always tell them this, that the contract market specifically is very, very candidate driven. Yeah. So if you don't have candidates, in the time it takes you to go out and find a candidate on a job that you've had called in, someone else will have filled it. I always looked at it like, no matter how hard I'm working, there's always someone out there that's working harder than you. Um, you know, I uh, many people in the office will agree with me, but I, you know, I'm a bit like a bloodhound. If I find something, I'll go after it. Yeah. But I always thought, God, if I'm being lazy, there'll be someone else that will fill it. So I always had three, four, five, six candidates that I'd worked with before. You know, I took references on them so it would bolster their opportunity, but also for a client, they'd be like, wow, it's not just a CV, it's a reference. Mm. 
different day rates depending on their ability. Mm. I knew where they were interviewing, when they were interviewing, how, what they liked, this, that, and the other. So that when a job got called in for me, I think at one point in terms of my CV to fill ratio was almost one to one. Really? And I think in terms of at my at my peak, I say, it was probably around sort of three days from job called in you know yeah. obviously there are some jobs that take yeah, different yeah, yeah. but I remember looking when I was doing you know quite a few deals it was almost when a job got called in I would pledge it to my manager because yeah. I would get commitment on it I would always try my best to get exclusivity and I know that I've got three four five candidates there and while I'm taking the job description here here's three CVs so the time nice. to get CVs was uh, yeah. five minutes yeah, yeah, and that was part of so what you really I, doubled down on your kind of network. Yeah, and like knew them inside out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and also combining that with what you know about your clients, mm. and that's where this sort of you know what Austin Fraser do is that meetings, that consultancy. You don't you don't learn stuff like that over the phone with people, mm. no matter how many. And I've worked with people that have spent six, seven hours on the phone. You know, th- there is no way on earth that they will get as much information, buy in then me, look my, what me and you are doing now by looking really? in someone's eyes. No yeah, way. So yeah, anyone yeah. out there, meetings, meetings, meetings. That's key. Really? Yeah. I like it, mate. Okay, cool. So um, quickly then. <laughs> so obviously reaching that, I mean, mate, that's like big, like that's amazing. Obviously you, you really got in that top one, five, ten percent. Obviously Austin Fraser is a big company, right? Yeah. So I guess now then from, from, what, from what you've seen, actually wait, just quickly. So, what I wanted to just ask you there was, if I'm sure you've seen this around you, where I know you've been talking a bit about it then for the last five, ten minutes, but what are the typical things then that you think prevent people from getting to that next level? Do you get what I mean? That you've seen around you that's probably quite common? Yeah, I think sometimes complacency a little okay. bit. I think it's very, very easy. And don't get me wrong, I, I, you know, I'm by no means saying that all of this came to me, you know, overnight and I all of a sudden managed to build up a really no, good contract. But, you know, there are certain times where you know, you may, and I've done it before, you have a client call in, you don't necessarily have that exclusive candidate there, but you've worked with them before, they like you, you like them. So you think, oh, actually, I'm going to go home at five o'clock today and I'll get working on it tomorrow. Someone else will fill that job. (laughs) You know, I always think about it and one of my bosses says to me, he says, just imagine if you had you going up against you. And I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, You know, because I know that if I got a lead at seven o'clock at night on a Thursday... I would chase that lead until 12 o'clock at night I, because really? that's just a sort of mentality. So I always say, you know, and I think that's, I think that's what the clients and the candidates want. You know, clients call me up and I think clients want them to be like, Carl, look, we're in the shit. We need someone. They know that I will stay in the office or, well, you know, I might go home now and work on it, but they know that I will find them someone. Yeah. And I think that's that sort of relationship stuff that we were talking about where, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an arm of our business yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Um, so complacency. Complacency. Um, I think sometimes reaffirming what your drivers are. Mm. You know, I've worked with lots of people before where it's like, cool, I want to buy a house. And then they buy a house and then they're like, cool. Yeah. What do like I do lost now? That, lost that drive. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've point. worked with lots of people and, you know, a, a guy that I worked with once again, he was there on my first day and he's still there now. He's a director now. When I started, he wanted to get married mm. and he worked his nuts off mm. to afford his wedding and he did. And I remember him saying to me after, oh God, he said, I'm trying to, I'm working out what my drivers are now. And mm. for me, it was so, because I was like, well, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, it's fine to be sometimes to be like, actually, I don't know what my drivers are. Yeah, yeah. And I think advice to anyone, 
there's going to be lots of like roads and winding roads and stuff like that through recruitment or any sales industry and that's absolutely fine it's sometimes fine you know to to be like oh actually well my, that's not my driver anymore it's this but i think it's really important to sort of sit down whether it be three months six months yearly and reaffirm to yourself what your driver is yeah. because that ultimately is what gets me out of bed every day mm. buying a house with my partner now is what gets me out of bed every day yeah. that's my driver right now but once i bought our house then we'll the work gym. out what we need to do it may yeah, then yeah. be getting married mm. it may then be having kids mm. but i think it's really important so i would say complacency and reaffirming what your drivers are are probably two of the things that i've noticed that will stop you going from yeah, wherever from you are level, now yeah. to and that could be running 15 grand a week it could be running 30 or 40 grand yeah, a week yeah, it could yeah. be billing a million quid mm. i don't think it differs you may be a trainee or a things. principal yeah. i think having a driver is really really important okay mate Last question before we talk about your American experience, yeah. which I'm keen to talk about. Because um, clearly, um, to, to get to, to, to have those achievements, you must have uh, some organization and some structure in your life. Mm -hmm. What did a typical Carl Penhell top biller day look like? Talk to um, me. Good question. I think there's two, two answers to that. I think when I was building what I was building, it was very, very structured. It had to be. Yeah. It was very, very much candidate focused and once again you're going to have people that are contract billers here or perm billers i still think it's exactly the yeah. same candidates are king they rule yeah, definitely. um you know they're your product so it was almost always very very candidate focused um i got into a habit very very early of having a really organized database really? Um, and that was something that was sort of i guess drummed into me yeah. by my current boss charles who was like if you, for example, have a got you know a great candidate that you want to get out to people, where are you going to send him? And I, I've got a really good memory for if you say a client now, I'll remember who their CTO is, what his mobile number is, yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. where he's worked before. Well, that's definitely helpful when you're contract. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> contract um, but you can only rely on that so much. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I'm like, great, I found this really niche skill and I want to sell him in somewhere, but God, I can't remember. I've got a database there, yeah. and then makes it. And then you're also contacting people with relevant information yeah. rather than just cold calling and being like, uh, I've got this person. Are they any good for you? We don't even hire in that market. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I was always making sure that the stuff that I was doing was very relevant. But in terms of my day plan, it was always very, very candidate focused. Okay. Um, keeping your database up to date from the beginning because it's a pain in the ass to change yeah, yeah. it. You know, some people use Bullhorn, some people use Salesforce, yeah, whatever yeah. it may be. Keeping that as, uh, as tidy as possible. Um, I always put aside, I do, do it more so now, time for client and candidate meetings. Okay. Um, Give me details then. So like what, getting in at what, eight o'clock? Yeah. What we do, so what we're doing, so then you block, do you block out your time? So like eight to 10, I'm speaking to my existing candidates. It, it, to, it used it to like? be, I, I must admit now, now it's very it's very different okay. it, uh, because I'm now sort of potentially looking after a bit more of a team. Yeah, uh, yeah. My time is not solely mine now. Yeah. But when I was a sole contributor, how did you split it up? How did you split it down? It was very much in the office, anywhere between seven and eight. Yeah. Um. Probably the morning was, and you know, the, the morning say maybe from you know what eight thirty until eleven thirty twelve was candidate focused. It was probably job boards. It was advert. What it, new candidates? new and existing yeah, okay. new and existing you know your existing candidates are your eyes and ears yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're the people that are investing in the market okay. um, so for me it was always you know about who's hiring where are you going what are you up to because as I said if I had a client call in and they needed John for example yeah. 
And you had a conversation and, in the morning and then you're laughing. Yeah, yeah. But also call them every hour, you know, because if you're giving people value and value add, they don't mind speaking to you. Mm. It's when recruiters call up candidates or clients and speculatively sell them a job or something and there's no value at all in it, that's when they'll get pissed off with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But speaking to, you know, once again, I use John, for example, as look, I've got a call with this person in a minute. If they wanted you to go in, what's your time slots like? What a great experience it is for a contractor and a client for you to say, cool, well, this guy, oh, I know where he is now. He can come over and meet you in 10 minutes. Or by saying, well, look, I don't know. I spoke to him last Tuesday and let me see if he's still available because 90% of the people we deal with are not, hire are not actual hirers. They're normally tech people or they're normally, you know, people that jobs aren't recruitment, if that makes mm. sense. So the quicker you can make the process for them and the candidates, the better experience yeah. they're going to have, the better brand you're going to create, mm. the more repeat business they're going to have, the happier people. So that was my mentality. Mm. I basically did all the legwork throughout the day, basically training for the main event. Yeah, you know, yeah, like you know basically. What was, what was the rest of the day then? Um, depends. It was split between... Have some time to eat? Yeah, grab some lunch, grab some lunch. <laughs> um, and, and then... And then what was you doing in the afternoon then? Just Probably, probably a lot of the same really. really you know it was you know the stuff that I was doing was not rocket science mm. you know a lot of the event stuff you know took up time but you know outside of that it was client meetings I would like to try Did you always allocate time to business development and sort of try and build new relationships or I did but I think naturally that happened through the work the, that I was doing, doing yeah, with my sense. candidates. Yeah. It was, you know, and some people have to have a very sort of strict call. This is my BD hour. Yeah. But my mentality, and I don't know if, you know, a client actually said this to me once. If in your business, say we've got, you know, 200 people at Austin Fraser across the world, for example, if from 10 till 12 every day, it's BD time, how many other companies do you think are doing 10 till 12 <laughs> BD time? And how many other, how many, that manager, how many fucking times do you think his phone is ringing? Because he knows 10 till 12 is BD time. So for me, mm. I always thought, Thanks actually, it was a little bit more of a, you know, if I speak to a candidate and I find a lead, for example, or I see that someone's hiring, I'm going to go down that rabbit hole where it takes me and then I'll come back mm. to the candidate thing. So I had a structure in terms of it was very candidate focused, mm. but I always made sure, you know, if I wasn't doing enough BD and my pipeline was looking low, I would normally just get back on the candidate stuff because yeah, yeah, the candidates yeah. that I speak to, you know, because I had such great relationships with them, it might well be working with candidates and trying to find them jobs and taking references because I've never or very, very rarely ever placed anyone that I haven't taken a reference for or know from the meetup and network. So for me, taking references and then talking about the meetups that I run naturally BD, migrated yeah. into BD yeah, and then yeah. I go and meet with people and then it was, yeah, you know, yeah. it was that sort of like so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Carl, why did you go to America? Yeah, really good question. So... When I started at Austin Fraser, I was very much wanting to be like an individual contributor. It was all about me, 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 me. Um, probably about 18 months ago, I'm trying to think. Yeah, probably about, no, longer than that actually, two years. I started to, I wouldn't say 
you know, properly mentor, but we had some sort of more, you know, junior, younger members of the team that I sort of took under my wing a little bit. And I started to get, as probably most people, you know, uh, who are in maybe sort of my position will, started to get a little bit of a feeling of, oh, actually, I'm maybe getting a little bit more satisfaction out of seeing other people yeah. do well. Um, and it stopped being all about me, which uh, if anyone that knows me um, probably will come as a bit of a surprise. But, <laughs> um, you know, it definitely it stopped being all about me. I, you know, I used to love, I vividly remember a colleague of mine who's once again still with the business. Um, this was probably three years ago. Liam joined, don't even know if it was his first deal, but I remember sat down next to him, coaching him through a call, him ringing the bell. And the satisfaction I got yeah, out I of that, that was was 10 times better than me ever ringing the bell or hitting any incentive that I ever did. So at that point, I decided that I wanted to go down a sort of like team lead type path. Um, and at Austin Fraser, where I was at the time, that wasn't really an option. Um, we had a much smaller team. We had a bit more of a, a less defined path. We have now very, you know, we've overhauled our whole progression path, but I had hit principal and there wasn't anything above that. Yeah. It was either principal or team lead. And there wasn't the option within the business to do a team lead. And we now have senior principal, principal director, but there wasn't any of that. So the only opportunity that I saw was to jump across, across the pond and still with Austin Fraser and have a part of setting up a brand new venture basically i'd seen a couple of people who once again still work for austin fraser who had worked in our uk office have moved now and they james and alex actually set up the whole us branch we're now five offices in, in five different states um but they set it up so i thought i saw them do it and i thought actually you know at the time um at the time that i decided to do it i was single um and then I decided to do it. And before I left, I got with my current partner. So that was a, that's another story. That's Classic. a bit of a, a, a difficult year apart. But um, but yeah, for me, it was a challenge. It yeah, was, you know, what I wanted to put myself out of my comfort zone. I wanted to learn new things. I wanted to see new things. You know, I'd always traveled a lot playing cricket. And, um, you know, and Pete and Dell, who are the founders of Austin Fraser, fully supported me in what I wanted to do. And yeah, it, it was an amazing experience. It was, a, it was, you know, a brilliant, brilliant year. Okay. So let's um, unpack that a bit because yeah. I think um, it's becoming obviously really popular now for UK businesses to open American branches. The opportunities seem to be great and yeah. these things, right? So before, before we finish, mate, let's sort of finish on, on the sort of American experience yeah. and these things and then we can sort of wrap up. So I guess, firstly, just give me some context. So you were obviously setting up something pretty much from scratch in terms of the niche and the vertical that you were doing in, in America, yeah? Yeah. So and we, it was Denver, the state. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. So Colorado is the state and Denver is the, is the place okay. within it, right up in the, um, in the Rocky Mountains. So beautiful okay. place, you know, snows, you know, quite frequently, sunny all the time, very rarely rains, lovely place. But so we as a business set up in Austin, four years ago um and then after that we then set up you know we've now got denver we've got dallas we've got la we've got san diego okay but denver denver had been set up when i went over there there was four of us okay i think 
Oh, wow. So I, I wasn't, you know, one of the first, but there was Oliver, who's another English guy who had been bought into the business from uh, from another, well, from an S3 type company to sort of set it up and run it. Um, and then there was, I think there was three others. So there was four. So plus me, I was the fifth one. We were in a WeWork type building. Um, it was six months old. Wow. I think probably six months so, old. Yeah, so obviously starting start some pretty Yeah, early, literally yeah. from the start okay, pretty so much. The first thing I want to know, yeah. if I'm a recruiter right now, I'm in a sim, similar position that you was, yeah. and there's an opportunity with my business or there's an opportunity to join another business uh-huh. to progress my career. Mm-hmm. Haven't been there a year and now come back. What should I be t- thinking about if I'm looking to move my life as a recruiter to America, yeah. the rector rec isn't going to tell me about. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. there's going to be a lot of things. Yeah, like, yeah, so, yeah there's definitely. definitely more than just the positives and yeah. the bigger fees and all this, right? So what what, yeah. th- what things do people need to think about if they're considering moving to America? I, th- I think, you know, once again, I harp on about, you need to think about your driver again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, I think, if I'm, if I'm looking back honestly, I think my driver was probably wrong. I wanted to progress, but I think I thought actually... I probably could have done what I wanted to do at Austin Fraser in the UK. My driver was wrong. I saw the bright lights and I saw, yeah, you know, yeah, the big enough. city as it were. Probably a lot of people probably experience that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I think, you know, be, being really open and honest, I think my driver was probably wrong. However, once again, you know, a really great time. Um, do as much research as possible. Every single state in the US different. is completely different. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, you know, I did very limited business outside of Denver, but I did work with some companies and place people in New York and even just as much as like tax laws and stuff like that. And that's, that, that is with contract and perm. Yeah. They are so different that do your research, you know, implicitly. I visited Denver for five days before I moved there. I okay. went there for five days. The company sent me there, which was great. In hindsight, should have spent a lot more time there. Nice. You know, good, uh, nice. I, I should have gone there for a lot longer. Um, you know, I don't know where the companies, you know, people that are looking to move will facilitate that, but I would definitely advise. Do your research. Do your research. Go there for longer. Um, it, it's tough. It's really tough, mm. especially if you're going to a sort of startup size business. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a huge family man. My family is, you know, you know, so pretty much tough. everything. Um, so when you have a really shit day at work yeah. and you go home to an empty apartment and there's nine hour time difference, so no one's on WhatsApp yeah. and you can't speak to anyone for... Probably, you know, me and my partner spoke properly once a week because of the time difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like please anyone I'm begging you take that into mind because that was really tough you know yeah. I went how did you deal with that I really struggled if I'm honest you know obviously you know me and you have been speaking for a long time you know I'm quite a confident guy I'm yeah, quite yeah. a proud person so you know for me being in such a sort of you know a shitty place sometimes yeah. where you know because startups are hard you know anyone that join in recruitment whether you're you know on your start of your journey or the company's mm. you know cool yes in America there are bigger fees purely just because salaries Is that are actually true salaries are higher Okay. So, you know, salaries are higher, therefore the percentages, or sorry, the fees that you will get will be higher. Yeah. Um, in terms of percentages, not not really. You know, mm. I think, you know, we work at a very similar percentage in America and Germany yeah. and the UK. Yeah. So I wouldn't say percentages. But, it's, it's, but they do tend to be higher because the salary, people pay yeah. higher. Yeah. So, okay. you know, on average, you'll look at anywhere around sort of 100K salary. Mm. And in the UK, you may be looking at something closer to maybe 60. Yeah. Okay. In Germany, it's maybe 80. Yeah. yeah so the same sort of percentage. I wouldn't so. necessarily say that they're higher, um, sorry, higher. F- 
they're higher fees, but only because the salaries are yeah, higher. Yeah, okay. It's not necessarily someone's going to pay you 50, 60%. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. So, so it's really, mate, fully respect that. Definitely. I think I definitely find that really hard. Like, so re- don't take into consideration that if you haven't got a social network over there, if you've got a girlfriend, family, blah, 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 like that, that's no joke. Yeah. Like, you've got to be comfortable with that. Yep. Um, as you've already said, the earning potential is definitely potentially higher because of the fees. Yep. I guess the, the, the next thing then that I'm interested in is what were the sort of clear different nuances that you picked up on quite early going through that? So if you're then now dealing with obviously American clients and obviously businesses in, in Denver, I'm assuming, yep. and as you said, some, some outside of Denver, what were the different nuances in terms of Carl picking up the phone, I'm a recruiter for Austin Fraser, what, what are the things that you picked up on that were probably quite different? Yeah, I think um, I think straight away, obviously, a lot of people will be like, oh, the English accent, you know, comes across really well and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, people identify with an English accent, but I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, God, it's, you know, the uh, the golden key that lets you in. <laughs> I, think, I remember when I moved there, I've got friends that were in recruitment, and they said, oh, God, you know, when you're, you know, making calls, it's going to be easy because, you, you know, you've got that English accent it's definitely not the case yeah, so yeah. anyone that's thinking that um it, it, it definitely <laughs> isn't um what i really struggled with that the co- i mean you know not to tell sort of too much or go into too much detail but the model of recruitment over in america is i found very very different so permanent recruitment is exactly the same you you know charge a percentage on the person's yeah, yeah, yeah. fee where in the uk and people relate notoriously you'll have a candidate and they will either want contract work or permanent work yeah. in our industry, um, and that's technology. In America, candidates don't care, which makes it really, really difficult because I went over there to sort of take a bit more of a lead on our account management function, um, which was ultimately contract. So for me, it was very, very different. It was like, oh, actually, I haven't got where I did so much candidate work and I had really oh. gold candidates, I then almost no longer, it was like I went over there and people took my product away. Really? So it was like I was trying to sell something that I didn't have a little bit. Um, and also the model that we as Austin Fraser and also I believe lots of companies adopt is in the UK, you have what we call 360 recruitment yeah, consultants. Over there, you have 180. So you'll have someone that does the BD and the account management and then you'll have someone that does the resourcing. So I found that really, really difficult to, as I spoke earlier, you know, I combined the candidates and the and clients. You were doing more of the client bit, weren't I you? was doing a lot more of the sort of account management, and then I brought in a couple of people into the team that sort of sat with me and did the resourcing. So and what, was your, what was the challenges with that? Then? I just found a real disconnect between, you know, if I took a job description, for example, and this is no, you know, disrespect to the people working no, it. it. Makes sense. They, they then because it's gone from Carl taking job spec to then Carl communicating that to the candidates. Yeah. To now Carl taking that to then communicating it to your team that then communicated to the market. Yeah. So it was just it was just that disconnect for me. It was something that I guess in you know I did, had, had wasn't really aware of properly. Mm. I think for me it was you know the biggest thing that I'll take away from you know the America thing was you know I probably needed to do more research into it. Yeah. Um, you know, also at Austin Fraser, I was the third person that had ever done it. You know, we had Alex and James that went and set up the whole American function and then me. So, you and know, then the we, rest of the people were from America. Yeah, everyone else was American yeah, yeah, yeah. hired. We've now sent over or we've helped, I say sent over, we shipped them off. <laughs> <laughs> um, two, three, 
three or four more mm. and a couple of people from Germany have now moved out there so it's now a much more you know I guess common thing and for they us. can learn from people that have done it yeah like yeah definitely so I guess you know in terms of those sort of nuances is you know if you're a contract recruiter make sure you do your research into sort of what model you as a business adopt and how that works um, one the other thing that I found quite different is the time in which it took for deals to be done um, I, I found it and this may well just be yeah I found it a lot slower well, people are just a bit more chill well every single company from my understanding as soon as they get any sort of money in the UK they invest in tech <laughs> in America the first thing they hire is a HR person or, or talent Ooh. acquisition so it once again then adds another layer and that's not a problem but just for me the companies See, that I work challenge. with, the companies that I work with in the UK, a lot of it was sometimes, you know, direct manager contact. It was a contract model that I was used to, so it was quick. And then you add in when I moved over there a different model, and then now we're liaising through three or four different funnels and sometimes portals to upload TVs. That was something that really shocked me. That actually, and once again, I think it comes down to the research that I did, and also maybe as a company, the research that we did mm. um, to, to, to where we were. Wow, <laughs> sounds interesting, man. Yeah, it was good fun. It was yeah. a challenge for sure. I think it um, it made me grow up, you know, in terms of, you know, I'm 27 right now, um, but in, in terms of when I moved there, you know, what, 25, 20, 25, 26, it made me grow up a huge amount from like a personal point of view. Really? Um, and then also understand myself, but my business a lot more. Mm. I guess it, moving over there and made me realize not that I took what I did here for granted but I maybe didn't realize the value I hope that I add to candidates and clients but also how much I guess I absolutely love doing what I did yeah, yeah, yeah. um so you know That's for me the, the learns I take away from it are huge um and obviously don't get don't get yourself a missus before you go away. well don't let her hear you say that she'll be listening <laughs> to this um, no yeah obviously that obviously that was that, that's tough a whole, mate that's, um, that's hard man yeah it, is. It, it was definitely tough but i mean you know not not to sort of turn it into too soppy but you know me made it work and we're now in the process of buying a house so you know it was obviously uh you know what's meant to be is meant to be or so right <laughs> <laughs> love it mate so being being back in the, the uk for yeah a, the, what did you say about 10 weeks then, you said, right, yeah roughly. roughly I'm trying to think now about 10 weeks nearly 3 months maybe so as we as we finish then because I think um, I think just, just it'd be good to get your insight so are you managing anyone right now or not so I to? so my, my role is still a principal consultant uh, we've just brought on a, a girl to the team Emily who mm. I'm acting as a lead consultant so okay. we've got quite a I think a really good progression path at Austin Fraser where as opposed to going straight from you know an individual contributor to to not we've got a couple of sort of steps between that which basically sort of go from now that 80% of my time is mine okay. and 20% is dedicated to another person person oh, nice. and the other time she spent with my manager so it gives me a bit of a flavor of leadership yeah, yeah. it gives How you her that? yeah loving it really loving it mm. um i guess it allows me to do what i want to do where i can still have control of my own business mm. but it's also teaching me um a lot of lessons about communication and mm. you know i think when you've been an individual contributor and i guess you know your own business so well 
you start to assume sometimes that other people know how to do things as well. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and Emily, for example, who's just joined, we've just um, launched a, a graduate scheme at Austin Fraser and Emily has come through that. So she's a, she's a graduate. So she has no, you know, she, she actually did work in a state agency for a brief time. But in terms of, I guess for her, she was like, you know, this is her first recruitment job. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, it's actually taking a step back and being like, okay, cool. It's another challenge, which, yeah. you know, I think I've uh, it's probably said a few times that that's what I relish now. Yeah. It isn't just going up and ringing the bell and doing my own deals. It's something new. Yeah. So I, I'm excited. It, it's a uh, next chapter for me. So last thing, mate. Yes. Just before um, I ask you um, what you're excited about and what's, what's going on. Mm-hmm. I've, um, you, I think sort of one thing throughout your career, like you've been, I don't know, my, I feel like mindset has been like yeah. quite key to you, right? Obviously, sporting background, always having to compete, trying to stand out, moving places in the world and these things must have helped with that. But I guess what's been your, like, have you always had the sort of, have you always been quite sure of your, yourself or in terms of the mindset piece, how have you co- cultivated that? Because it seems like you really got to a good place and obviously has continued to, your mindset has continued to help you have really success in the UK. Went to Denver and was like, Jesus Christ, is, okay. Like yeah. Look in the mirror here and be like, yeah, okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, I guess what what's, what's been your journey with mindset and like how important has that been to you a huge amount yeah a huge amount i think anyone that knows me sort of from within work maybe you're getting a flavor of it now but more importantly sort of family members and stuff like that is you know that mindset is really important to me through that sporting background and stuff positivity um I get uh, I get called the peacock at uh, really? at the office. You know, walk around. Um, you know, quite quite loud, quite a positive person. Make myself uh, you know known. But I guess for me, that's what I need to do to sort of promote and create my positivity mm-hmm. and my sort of you know yeah, that that mindset that you know everything's all right and everything's going to be good and everything's going to be fine. How did you cultivate that though? <sighs> did you like did that? Do you know what I mean? Did that happen quite naturally, or did you yeah sort of proactively try and cultivate I, I that? I definitely proactively try to change it. I think um, you know one thing that that I have done all the time throughout. Um, like promotion targets is it as i said earlier it isn't just billing wise that you get promoted to austin fraser it's sort of executive maturity and yeah. stuff like that um and after i sort of reached a certain point and was going through sort of more senior promotions you know we start to look at a little bit more about how you're influencing other people and how your perception is perceived across the office and uh, you know and, and some of the things i think if anyone doesn't do this 360 reviews are really really vital mm. and that's sort of getting feedback from a number of different areas of the business and something that was noticed sometimes was that potentially when it was good with me it was great and when it was bad it was really bad Um, so I identified that quite quickly and sort of proactively now try and sort of think cool how am I being perceived and how am I having that positive mindset and mentality it is tough sometimes um you know but I think you know a lot of it comes from that sporting background and things like that and also just you know being aware of it and Mm. the drivers thing as well you know you love the driver yeah I think if in fact your mindset is you know drifting off then maybe you know what yeah people get bored of it but maybe then your drivers aren't right and maybe they're not the same anymore and maybe you're not actually driving towards what you think you were and that's when you've got to take a bit of self-reflection and be like cool where am i now what am i doing mm. i think that automatically just maybe pushes the reset button on your mindset mm. okay mate well look before we finish what's got so what, what's going on in your world then that you're excited about so have you got any events coming up or what, what what's going on what's on the agenda yeah so there's a couple of things i guess to sort of keep an eye out for um i mean austin fraser as a business we're you know we're, we're growing as ever um as i said we've now got five offices across the us four in germany um we are 
I think hopefully trying to move towards a point where we've got a more permanent office in London mm. and that will allow us to, I guess, dip into a newer talent pool and grow our team, which will be amazing. And hopefully I'll have a, a big part to play in that. Um, Events-wise, um, as I mentioned earlier, we as a business have just launched Leaders in Tech London, um, which we had our first event uh, about six weeks ago. Um, it's purely focused on sort of VPs, CTOs, head ofs, just purely a, an event, you know, that, people can come to who are of that sort of high C-suite level and really get some value from their, mm. um, you know, peers, moan about the industry, maybe yeah. more so than they can't do in other meetups. Um, you know, I love that event also. You know, I was part of sort of making it happen in Denver. We now run it in a number of places in Germany. Um, we hired out a, a, a riverboat um, for the last event and did a three-hour riverboat cruise up and down the Thames awesome. with, you know, it's a little bit more than <coughs> just your, your meet up with pizzas and beer which is what I like about it yeah um so we've got another one of those coming up in October um and yeah I guess those are the two things the growth for me and the team and also sort of some more good events and stuff really we can make so look a question I always like to ask if um Cole could um communicate to every single recruit out there they'd take on an advice could be a phrase a word a sentence what what comes to mind Probably a couple, um, meetings, 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 whether that be candidate or client, I think, you know, FaceTime is invaluable with people. Um, so if you're setting up a business, if you're new to recruitment, um, get yourself out there. Um, and um, I guess following that, candidates are king, as I mentioned mm -hmm. before, candidates at your product. Um, and I think your candidates, but also your clients, hopefully will see the value in you staying close to people um, and being, you know, ultimately when they need you, either candidate or client, uh, you know, a, a really valuable, ultimately member of their team. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, meetings, 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 and then candidates, candidates are king. Are king. Carl, it's been a pleasure, mate. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it.